Takina, takina, taki, takina mai ngā manu o te rangi, karanga mai, karanga mai, karanga mai, karanga mai e te hui ki a puta whakawahonga, kōrero te wā ki te ateatanga, haumi e, hui e, tāiki e. This week, on the hui. Less than a hundred days out from the election, all the candidates are confirmed in the Māori seats. Māori issues are right at the forefront, and the Māori vote is likely to decide the next government. Our political panel dissects the latest. And days out from the FIFA Women's World Cup, Ngāpuhi striker Paige Satchel has ambitious goals. A home World Cup is the perfect opportunity to make history. Yeah, we're gunning for it. We really want to do this. Te hunga kuarau me mene atu rā ki te pō, haramai haere. Tātou e whakaurupa mai nei a rātou mā ki te henengaroti hewa mauriora. And welcome back to the hui. We are just under 90 days away from the election and boy has the politicking ramped up. From Labour's In It For You to National's Get New Zealand Back On Track to the Greens' latest policy release to return stolen Māori land and a new political force for the Māori Party who will turn 21 before the election. So much to discuss. So let's rock into it with our political panel of rock stars, experienced, intrepid experts of the body politic. Oh, and Shane Depose here as well. Professor of International Business Strategy here and Entrepreneurship at AUT University. Professor Ella Henry joins us. A former List MP for New Zealand First and broadcaster Jenny Marcroft is here as well. Jenny Tenakwe and political raconteur and commentator. He joins us for the first time this year. He's been feeling a little aggrieved that I've left him out, but he's back now. Shane Tapo, Shane Tenakwe. So good to have you all. Okay, let's uh, rock into it. So much to discuss. Let's start with Labour, with the government's decision on capital gains tax. No capital gains tax, no wealth tax. Has Chris Hipkins done the right thing here, Professor? Look, I can I can see how that movement that began with Jacinda's clear statement a few years back is, is rolling on because of holding on to that middle ground, the middle ground, the place where most Māori are not because around about 60% of us don't own a home. Mm. So, so that is not a piece of policy that's going to affect the majority of us. So... I think he's playing it safe for that middle centrist ground rather than trying to attract the most disadvantaged. But it would attract a lot of money. I mean, billions of dollars, particularly even just with the wealth tax, which, by the way, surveys had had a bit of support there, Shane, for hospitals, homes, you know, weather events, slipping poll numbers. That could have done some real good for I think us. it has. Look, two points I would make. The first point I would make is that I think that he got a little bit spooked uh, when, when we saw... Uh, uh, the, the right go, you know, 3 to 4% ahead in the polls. Uh, I think that also there was a bit of a scrap uh, within the Labour caucus. I, you know, I hear that Robinson was um, very interested in and wanted to do it. But here's the thing. I think that uh, a lot of people will say, yeah, I do support capital gains tax. I don't mind, you know, the rich paying more tax. But uh, they'll lean in. They're called political leaners as long as it doesn't cost me any more. Mm. So uh, increasing tax, whether it be a wealth tax or tax per se, really isn't a vote winner. And uh, whether we do like it or not, elections are won or lost in the middle. Jenny, I, I thought people liked parties who have the courage of their convictions. Well, if we go back to the parliament, the 52nd parliament uh, between 2017 and 2020, Labour had it and put it in front of New Zealand First as a coalition partner, a capital gains tax, and Winston and his team, of which I was a member, we said no. So it was on the table. They had the courage to bring it forward. 
goes the handbrake yep. with New Zealand first and it's off the table and clearly it's still off that table and as Shane pointed out, uh, the centrist uh, voter doesn't like it. The polls would say, though, that Labor needs something, that it is slipping in the polls, that National and the ACT Coalition have started to build a bit of a lead. Now, they still need something to get them across the line, whether it be the Māori Party or anyone else, they still need something to get across 50%. Where does that leave the potential for your former party? NZ first. Well, the only thing that has uh, been clearly stated by Winston uh, as he's gone around the country over the last couple of months is that uh, New Zealand First will not go into coalition with Labour. Any other statements no, have not been made at this point. Is that... OK, that, that's a, an interesting decision because obviously National Act have ruled out the Māori Party, right? And obviously without the Māori Party on current polling, they won't make mm. over 60 seats in Parliament, therefore they can't be the government. So where does that leave us, do you think? Well, you know, ultimately we're going to see this incredibly tight race uh, running right up to October the 14th. Mm. And, I, you know, we can all stick our finger in the wind um, and take a look at polls and all of those things to see how it's going to shake down on the ground. But what we hear on the ground versus what we're seeing in polls are two different things. So what are we hearing on the ground? So, and, the, and I'll, so I'll, I'll talk for Northland because I've recently been up to Dargaville and spent some time with Shane Jones um, on the ground. So in the North we're hearing that the NAT voters... Uh, are not particularly happy with Luxon as a leader and that they will give Shane their vote as the electorate, um, but they possibly could give their vote to the ACT Party, which would, which really is interesting. Um, so are we going to see that re replayed around the rest of the country? Uh, who knows? Shane, so let's talk about this. Any chance NZ First gets over 5%? I mean, even in some polls, the Māori Party's at 4%. Yeah, hey, look, I'm never going to publicly... Uh, except that Winston's political career is over. Uh, many you know, have tried, but they, many they do have say a souffle never rises three times. He's, <laughs> he's risen twice. I don't think that Shane will win Northland unless there's a deal in some six, seven weeks ago. I think I was the first one that put it out there. And if the, and if the polls are very close in terms of the left-right split, I think Luxton will go up to Te Tokoro, put his hand his shoulder on Shane Jones and say, this is the guy you should vote for. So that says, though, that you don't think New Zealand First is going to get over 5%. No, what I'm saying is that if the, if the polls are tight and there is a real possibility that they don't, they don't get over 5%, I think a deal with Shane Jones is on the table. Just look at Dargaville uh, a week or so back when uh, Shane and Winston did a public meeting. Uh, the hall was packed out. Um, we had to get more seats out. Um, the day before... The National Party candidate with Todd McClay held a meeting. Mm. They they had 18 people mm. turn up to their public meeting. So, wow. you know... Uh, there's a big difference, though, in all due respect, between a opposition MP turning up with a local candidate who's not in Parliament and the leader. I think if Luxon turned up, he'd probably get five or 600 people and Hitchens could get a good crowd. Ella Henry, let's talk a little bit about Māori um, policy particularly here because there's also lots of talk from NZ First and others about Māori policy and in particular the Māori Party. Do we really believe that National won't make the phone call if it needs the Māori Party to get there in the end? I mean, I am watched enough elections to know the difference between the statements you make definitively before and the statements you make quietly afterwards <laughs> to know that it's going to be the electorate to decide who's talking to whom afterwards but at the same time also uh, and I have to say this about Shane he's a bit of a TikTok winner so I think mm. that he's a very entertaining <laughs> Shane yeah. the farmer on his TikTok. Yeah. I'm sure that's opened the door to a whole new constituency but the reality is it's those candidates 
events and those people mm. that can reach out into our community that I think are going to sway on the day. And mm. that's what it takes. And we, we will yeah. talk about the Māori seats soon. Julian, can I just say, if Luxton is relying on the Māori Party, that will mean that ACT will be quite dominant in, in terms of the Cabinet. And we know what ACT Kaupapa is. It's diametrically opposed to where we're, where we're at. And there's no way in hell I can see an ACT National Party, Māori Party coalition. Key, they, key made Lux, Luxton might, but ACT is a very different beast and Luxton is a very different beast. The, the call might be made, but I don't think it'll be answered. OK, let, let's go to some other matters here. Um, do Māori voters in particular really care about what a party slogan might be? I mean, in it for you, I read a comment, I don't know if you guys, if, if you all saw this, but there was a comment from someone on Twitter who said that that's my line I use on um, on a social media app, on, on, a, on a dating app. Um, you know, in it for you. Um, do people really care about this? Or? In my experience, Māori are not looking for log lines. Mm. What we will, t and I've, I've found consistently we will vote for people rather than parties and rather policy. Mm. Sometimes that's worked against us horribly. Um, you know, we've stayed loyal to individuals perhaps longer than was good for us, but it's going to be the people who speak to the people most cogently that are going to get through. And for Rangatahi, I think that's critical because there are a we have a large cohort of Māori who are coming to their first ever yes. elections born in this century, mm. this millennium and who attracts them is going to I think mm. hold the balance. Oh, I was severely underwhelmed by yeah. these slogans. Yeah. In it for you and get New Zealand back on track sounded a little bit Trump light almost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think um, slogans are going to do it. I mean, you know, the Labour Party, obviously, all, all of those candidates have to fall in behind um, that particular slogan, as do the ones, you know, the Nats back on track. You know, that's the party that derailed the railways. So, you know, suddenly they're talking about getting back on track. So, you know, why would you why would you have a slogan like that anyway, yeah, particularly because, for the Nats? Because independent <laughs> thought and maverick MPs are showpiece of New Zealand first over the last 10 years. Uh, you yeah. tell us a hard does it doesn't, it doesn't what do you very mean, well. Shane? But no, I, I just think that uh, slogans don't mean much, but you've got to look at the group of policies. And I think yeah. that, and I think that um, uh, one of the core constituency that Labour will rely on to get over the line is the, is the woman's vote. Yeah. And uh, I've seen some of the sub polling, and so I think it, it does have a level of attraction. But it's it, what it did for uh, Labour and government. It said. We're off, the race is on. Okay, right. We will talk more about policy, particularly Green Party yeah. policy, and also people, which is really important mm. to Māori electorates. We'll talk yeah. about that as well after this. We will have more with Professor Ella Henry, Jenny Mycroft, and Shane Depo after the break. We are in studio with our political virtuosos, Ngāti Kahuki Whangaroa, Professor Ella Henry, Ngāpuhi Jenny Marcroft, and because you can't really have a hui Māori without a tūhoi, Shane Tapo is here with us as well. Let's talk about the Māori electorates. Ahorangi, Professor, where will the tightest races, do you think, be in the Māori electorates? I think they'll be certainly the ones that we need to watch because it's too hard to call at this stage. Some of those um, electorates are still, we're still mm. working out who and what is on the ground. I certainly think that the uh, young woman that Te Party Māori have brought in is very much a face of the future. She's going to be one to watch, a young artist, writer, whatever. Um, so I think they're recognising 
earlier than some of the other parties that if you want to reach out in that Māori community, rangatahi faces are going to play an important part. You, you mean Hana Rāwhiti Clark yes. might be very, very impressive. And we hear that there's lots of new Māori voters, both on the general role and the Māori role, maybe even rangatahi. I mean, do you think that's something, as Professor Ella Henry had said, Shane, more rangatahi on the ticket is a good thing? Not, no, not going to beat Nanaia Mahuta. Uh, might might whack into her majority a little bit, but it's not going to not going to be, uh, beat Nanaia. I think, in terms of the races, Waiariki will stay with Te Pāti Māori. I'm calling Te Taihauru to go into Te, pa te Pāti Māori. Uh, Adrian had a heck of an on-ground machine. He's not standing, so his whānau is staying home. Mm. And I think even Labour's realises Te Taihauru is going. The one to watch, I reckon, is Tamaki Makoto. I've seen a level of vibrancy in that campaign over the last four weeks that surprised me quite positively. It's enthused me, mm. and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a Labour Green voter, and I think that's going to be one of the seats seats to watch. And uh, what we need is we need to see some vibrancy from the Labour candidate and the Labour um, team in Tamaki Makoto. Jenny, New Zealand First doesn't stand a Māori seat, so purely agnostic view coming mm. up here. Totally agnostic, um, <laughs> but I, I would disagree in terms of Te Tai Hauru, mm. I think Haritihi Pango has a fair crack at that because she has Dame Tariana Tudia. Everywhere she goes, she they are rolling out together. So she is using her fire to gain and garner support in that electorate. And without Adrian standing there, and I think that's a that's a big shame that he didn't continue to stand. Mm. Um, he certainly would have cleaned up otherwise. Well, and I agree, um, Tamaki Makoto oh, that is one I'm particularly interested in watching. Calvin's going to smash it out in Taitukuro, no okay. doubt about it. What all. about Ikorora Afiti? I mean, is that game? I mean, Kusha no, 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 is a very yeah. talented. She is a talent. She is talented, but I think that she's going to struggle in terms of a game, okay. ground game. If, if ground game is really important, if the uh, if the race is tight, and uh, you know there is a lot of disharmony, people are still upset with Mick and the way and she she left, and some of her supporters that she left behind. No, I. Te Kōrara Fiti certainly is one to watch. OK. What about um, the latest uh, policy decision from the Green Party uh, released, I think, earlier today? The Hoki Whenua Mai policy provides a pathway for a return of Māori land previously taken and for recommendations from the Waitangi Tribunal to make recommendations on private land. Mm. What's the impact of this going to be, do you think, Dr? Well, obviously, I'm 150% behind that, but the reality is there's a significant number of the electorate that will not be. And I'm not 100% sure that this is going to entrench the position of the Green Party in that centre ground that I spoke about before. But for Māori, for moral obligation, for legal obligation, I think it's critically important as we move forward to have the discussion. Right. Unintended consequences. Oh, the unintended consequences is that uh, Act and National will raise hundreds of thousand dollars off the back of that because they'll simply say they can come after your house, they can come up the, after your farm. Look, I, I recognise that the treaty process is far from perfect, but it's pretty much settled law. We've got a settled process. We purposely haven't brought private land to it. I think it just brings in a whole lot of trouble that we don't need. And the other thing is there are mechanisms already in which the, the Crown can negotiate with private owners. These seem to be issues that New Zealand First talks about a lot too. Mm. Yeah, and I, th I think t in terms of unintended consequences, the Green Party is going to lose a bit of vote back to National, uh, sorry, back to Labour because of this. Um, but I think what we must be really mindful of is that 
we can all acknowledge there are, there are past harms and trauma caused by the confiscation of land. There's no doubt about it. What this will do, it will create a new set, a, psych, a new cycle of harm and trauma, trauma psychological trauma, by taking uh, another set of people's land. Well, do we really want to embed that into the DNA of New Zealand in the future? Mm. That's something I think we need to, to be very mindful of. OK. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about ACT, and the reason why I wanted to raise more about them is they are the party that consistently has been doing well out of the latest yep. polls for, for whatever reason. And we've heard Debbie Ngarapapaka talk mm. about the fact that their leader is racist, even though he's an Apoi. Um, what about how they're going and why, are, why is the ACT Party still popular in polls? Is it the dog whistling? I, I mean, obviously, there's a little bit of that, but the reality is there's, there's maybe 10 to 15% of the voting age New Zealanders for whom everything and anything about uh, te tiriti, te Māori is challenging and triggering. And I think those are the, the uh, part of the core, the coalesce around a political party that does not want that to be part of the New Zealand political landscape. And, and the only thing I hope is that we can outlive them. <laughs> I thought yeah. they would be a, a decreasing population. Yeah, but, but the, the, the right vote, even if you take their the best poll they've had to date, the right vote hasn't really grown a heck of a lot. All they're doing is cannibalising, I think, some of the New Zealand first vote, certainly some of the national vote. Why are they being as successful as they are? Because their message, whether you like it or not, is strong and it's consistent. And wherever David Seymour goes, he articulates this very simple same line. Because he's taken out of New Zealand first Winston Peters' playbook. He's mm. literally imitated Winston. And, you know, we're seeing someone who's young and articulate repeat those messages that Winston rolled out. Mm. So, you know, as much as David Seymour might say he doesn't like Winston and he's quite verbal about it, he's certainly imitating him. Any positive impact of that, though, in terms of vote for the Māori Party? Because we've seen the increase in the Māori Party in the two recent polls, as I say, up to 4%. Mm. There seems to be a bit of response going, well, hang on, we're going to start looking at the Māori Party, particularly as Labour starts to continue to slip. And I do think that as that, as that fringe coalesces at one end of the spectrum, it does motivate at the other end of the spectrum. There is a kind of balancing effect, but I think the critical issue facing to party Māori and, and any of the left is how do we galvanise our young Māori? And it is predominantly young Māori to vote? How do we teach our people the importance of voting when many generations of them have never even thought about it? I was going to ask about civics and we've run out of time. We'll do, hey, we'll do that. Now, let's do this again sometime because I've really enjoyed it. Uh, we need to do it again. Uh, but thank you to my guests, of course, Jenny Marco, Shane Tepo, Professor Ella Henry Katoa. Next, we talk with the Nifty Ngapuhi from Ngongotaha, who is neatly placed to help the football ferns achieve World Cup glory for New Zealand. When tens of millions tune in for the start of the FIFA Women's World Cup on Thursday night, Ngāpuhi's Paige Satchel will be in the middle of the action. The football fern striker started playing in Ngongotaha, has played in the prestigious German Premier League and in Aussie. She's now back home with the Wellington Phoenix before earning her place in our national side for its biggest ever home tournament. And, she says, she and her Football Ferns teammates have a very ambitious goal for this World Cup. Paige, 
Tinakwe, kia ora. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah. Really good to talk to you. That's awesome to be here. It's, um, it's awesome to sit down with you and just watch you train. Man, you're quick, eh? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's probably one of my biggest strengths, just my speed. So, yeah, I try to bring that out in training and games and use it to my advantage. So, let me make sure I've got this right. Your dad's Ngāpuhi. Yep. Your mum's Irish. Yes. <laughs> so I know a lot of Ngāpuhi being Ngāpuhi myself, and I'm also part Irish. I suspect yeah. I know where the talent comes from. I suspect <laughs> it's not from the Ngāpuhi side. But anyway, talk me through where that comes from. Um, Skill, like, speed, talent, where do you think that, which side yeah, of the Yeah, I'm not sure. I, my mum and my dad, I think they both grew up playing a lot of sports. I think dad was into rugby mostly, and but mum also did a lot of running. Um, I grew up doing athletics and cross country, so I think I got the running um, side of things probably from my mum and I think she went to a national championship as well, which is awesome, so it's definitely helped me. So you were a national champion at cross country, weren't you? Yeah, so year nine secondary schools uh, cross country wow. champs. So yeah, did it up here in Auckland actually. So yeah, that was awesome. And then yeah, spent a lot of time doing yeah athletics and cross country and then eventually chose the path of football. Yeah, um, so, so talk to me, why football? I think I really enjoyed the team aspect. I found that running, I put a lot of pressure on myself and it was very individualised and so when I came into football I really loved being part of something and being able to come to training and see your friends every single day and it was just the enjoyment factor and the fun factor for me. It's been going well so far and there's been a lot of opportunities, I've been playing professionally for four years now which mm. has been amazing and then in the national team since 2016 so super grateful for the opportunities that I've had and yeah definitely glad I chose football. Because <laughs> you're, you're a forward right? Yes. And um, the viewers, and I don't know if this is a justified view or not, is that forwards and in particular strikers uh, seem to be fairly individual. You know, they <laughs> um, seem to be the kind of stars of the, of the, of the show so what's that like given you're in this team preparing for the World Cup um, and potentially one of the breakout stars of the world in the World Cup coming on. Yeah, I mean, I guess as a forward, you're generally the players that are scoring goals. And so a lot of the time when you do score, you do get the spotlight shown on you. But it also comes with a little bit of pressure as well, because you do kind of have that expectation that you're going to be having those opportunities on goal. And so sometimes you have to be a bit selfish and take those shots yourself. But there's no other position I would rather play. It's where I've played my whole life mm. and I love it. I love the creativity of being a forward and being able to take players on and dribble. But you're kind of that person that yeah. is expected to win the game for your team. You talked about pressure. The other thing that comes to mind is the added sense of responsibility, right? So this World Cup's at home, but we know you're one of us. We know you're Māori, as I said, Ngāpohi. How do you deal with potentially the expectation people have not only to do well in the team, but also carry that kind of responsibility for us? Because you're one of us. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's such a privilege to be playing at a home World Cup, but it, yeah, it does come with the expectation that we want to do well, we want to make our friends and our whānau proud. So we're just doing everything we can at the moment to prepare best we can individually and as a team so that when we step out on the field mm. on the 20th of July against Norway, I that we can way, yeah. really put on a great performance and show how hard we've been working because this hasn't just been this nine weeks of camp. This team has been working so hard for years and years. Mm. So we're excited to show New Zealand what we've got. We're excited to make you guys proud and I can't wait to step out on that field. Why are there so few of us, do you think, playing football and also not recognised nationally? Why do you think that is and what should we be doing about that? Yeah, I mean, as you said, there's not too many of us. We've got a few in our team, which is, is awesome, but it would be great to kind of see more 
female Māori getting out onto the football pitch. I think a big part of it is just, yeah, having those idols that people can look up to. So, I mean, it's great that coming into this World Cup, I'm hoping that I can inspire, like, this younger generation of female footballers to come through and see that being Māori, it is possible to kind of make it to this platform. And, yeah, if you really put your mind to it, um, you can do anything. Yeah, because didn't you play in the Bundesliga at one stage? I did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so do you think, I mean, that, that's something to talk about, right? I mean, Winston Reid, we all know, Yes, Māori, um, from Aotearoa, but played overseas a lot. Winton Rufler is still regarded as one of the greatest strikers in German football history and club history. Do you think that that's the way potentially to try and get more young Māori into the sport is to think about the international opportunities that exist in there? Yeah, and the women's game is growing every day as well, and there, there are a lot of opportunities to go overseas, but I think a lot of people don't kind of know about these pathways that we can take, and there's so much that we can do, and I think hopefully I can kind of open the eyes to some of these people that, yeah, you can go overseas, you can play professionally, you can go to America for college, there's a lot of different pathways you can take, and it's super exciting, and it's definitely possible to get to this, to this platform. What do you think that's going to be like for you on July 20, and you walk out, and play against Norway, you know, the national anthem there. What do you think that's going to... I mean, have you thought about it? Yeah, no, I definitely have. Like, I think even you saying the national anthem now, I think that is probably the pinnacle moment for me. That's when I'm probably most proud when I can be out standing out on the field with the national anthem playing. I mean, you put a lot of hard work in over the years and, yeah, to kind of get to that point and remember how far you've come, that your friends and your whanau are watching you. It's a very proud uh, moment and I'm very honoured and privileged to be able to represent New Zealand. It's a feeling that never gets old and, uh, yeah, just putting the fern on every single day is, yeah, really a proud moment. And it seems to me there may be a touch of the gods happening with you because timing-wise, you just graduated. I did, <laughs> yeah. It's been a, a big year. <laughs> How yeah. long did that take, by the way? Yeah, so I started in 2017, so I did part-time for about six years. Yeah. So I just graduated with a Bachelor of Sports Management from Massey University. So, yeah, kind of just chipped away at it over the years. And so I was playing overseas for quite a number of years now and just did that online while I was playing. And, yeah, it was great. It's always good to have something to fall back on because I'm not going to be able to play mm. football forever. So it's always good to have that pathway once I retire from this game. So, yeah, no, definitely happy to be done with the studies now and focus on the World Cup. It just seems to be, you know, degree. Yeah. <laughs> Got that out of the way yeah. right now. World Cup now, opening game, tick, yeah. get out of the pool, tick, and then who knows? Yep. Who knows from there, <laughs> yep. So what, what's your own goal then, just to sum up? Ultimately, where do you think you and the team will end up in the World Cup? We've been talking about this a lot with the team. Our goal is to win at least one game in the pool stage and then make it out of the group. So we've never won a game at a World Cup before. We've never made it out of the group. So a home World Cup is the perfect opportunity to make history. Yeah, we're gunning for it. We really want to do this. There's never going to be an opportunity to play at home ever again at a FIFA Women's World Cup. So this is the time to do it. So we're going to do everything we can to make this possible. I just think, you know, all these people with poi yeah. At the ground, making all that noise. I think it's going to be amazing. Coach, yeah. thank you very much. We no, wish thank you, you all the very best. Awesome. Thank Good. you so much. <laughs> go, Paige Satchel, and go the football ferns. Coming up on the Hui next week. It's brutal. It's bloody. It's MMA. But the new Māori in the MMA scene says it's not all about muscles. It's a lot more than just being violent. I definitely used to use my aggression like a lot to win fights and now I only use my intellect. Very few make it to the top. 5% will make it to the top. 
maybe less. And that 5% to make some real decent money is probably the 1%. And how confident are you? I'm the 1% of the 1%. Aaron Toe aiming to take his mataora to the UFC. That'll be a mean hui too next week. You'll find links to our stories on our Facebook and Twitter accounts and on YouTube or at newshub.co.nz. Kiamou, ki te tūranga o taputapua te haumie, huie, taikie. Nā te puna whakatongarewa, te hui i tautoko.